We're going to continue the discussion on the biblical stewardship. Last week we talked about <laughs> last week we talked about the importance uh, on the individual, and it is a balance when you talk about stewardship. When you talk about the understanding, it it is even an absolute important subject and understanding for us to all have as it pertains to our service and our walk in the Lord. And today we're going to look at the emphasis on the body and the church. And what does that, you know, what, you know, what does that look like? Why, you know, why are, why are there even churches around, right? What, what is the plan? And, and really it, you'll, we'll be able to look at what the scripture says and you'll be able to see an, an absolute level of continuity a part of his original design that he's never left. Okay? And how that's fulfilled on earth. We talked about in the very first the very first message that we preached about biblical stewardship is the, the first place you look for is your family, is in, is in the home. The husband is a spiritual leader and the wife and so on and so forth. They're a team that works together. She was created as a helper to the husband to administer and fulfill the responsibilities given to them by God himself. This is why if a man aspires to the office of an overseer, this is why it's so important for you to have that structure correct. Because if you do not, it will unravel on you. It will unravel. And you're seemingly left going, well, what does happen? Because... It's not set up properly. It's not according to the proper design. The, the last week's talk about the individual, the biblical stewardship as it relates to the individual, we also discussed the unintended consequence of the overemphasis of the body. What do you mean, overemphasis of the body? Look, for a lot of years, we talk about the body, the body, the body, the body, the body, the body, right? I was on a preacher thread this week, and I and I love the brethren that you know that have this this preacher thread. And you can you can look at this this thread, and it's like, yeah, everybody gets this. Everybody's the same, and it's like, whoa, hold on, we're all children of God, but we have different roles and responsibilities. Whitewashing everybody with the same responsibility is disingenuous to what the Scripture teaches. It's, it's actually counterintuitive to, you know, spiritually counterintuitive. You look at me, what do you mean? Well, you start to run into problems when you begin to look at things that way. Now, is every person important and valuable? Absolutely. But we all have different functioning components. And when we overemphasize the body, that individual responsibility can get lost in the shuffle. We all like the idea that everybody matters and everybody is equally important in our proper function, right? We all like that idea. Well, we should, because it takes all of us for us to accomplish that. That is important for us to understand. However, understanding a biblical balance is so important concerning responsibility and accountability. Let me give you an example. It's a real life example. How many of you have heard people around Bakersfield, even in the state of California, there's a homeless problem in the state of California. Would you agree? There is. But is that really the whole problem? 
That's a very complex, and I don't stand before you today and say I got all the answers. Believe me. I agree there is a homeless problem. More now than it ever has been. But when you spend a little time with some of those folks and you be around it, you realize. I'll give you an example. There's a homeless camp. Well, I don't know if it's there anymore, but right there on the Garza Circle. And just out, you know, they had the tents out. They had everything available for everybody. And just outside of those tents where they had all the resources they had. Now, they did have rules. Right. Guidelines like getting in there and getting fed. You got to be up by a certain time. You got to contribute. You got to do all these just outside of that aid tent was a line of shanties. And you're thinking help is just on the other side of those of those walls, those gates. It's just it's just right in there. You have a warm bed. You have things that are available to you. Why in the world would you have a homeless encampment literally just on the outside if all they needed was a warm spot to lay their head? Well, yeah, of course it's drugs in a lot of ways and mental health and things. There's a, there's a lot of things that go into that, and I don't presume to have all the answers. But my point is the same thing can be applied to the body. Well, it's the church, the church, the church, the church. The church, the church. And what happens is you spend so much time on the church, you lose the emphasis and the importance of the individual. Who resides in the church? We can find ourselves by spending so much time on those things that we whitewash and completely remove the individual's responsibility, role, function, and accountability. And there's balance in that. It's kind of silly. We're at church today. So, you know, I'm not speaking or preaching about being counter church. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's a balance on an individual to the collective. Think about it from this perspective. When you first believed in Jesus Christ, was it the church that helped you first believe? Maybe it was. But that first profession of faith or that first realization that you had was between who? You and God. At judgment day, guess where you're going to be? And guess who's going to be in attendance at your judgment day? You and God. Now, there's body implications and life implications and all those different things. But my point is, is that there's an element of the individual in this as it relates to the collective. We, and there's a balance associated with all those things. It is virtually impossible to have accountability when there is anonymity. You understand? If we're allowed to blend into the shadows, nothing gets done. Nobody gets seen. Nobody gets recognized. Nobody gets appreciated or held accountable. A blanket approach of all the body and not biblically covering the role and responsibility of the individual within allows for, as I said, anonymity and a gap in the proper working of the body. The Bible is very clear about both the individual and the collective, both subjects. I say this very clearly because the scripture is very clear on these. Both subjects, the individual and the body, must be covered. 
for us to understand the proper approach and perspective. As it pertains to our stewardship roles, how in the world could we ever expect to achieve what God has called us to do if we did not know what was individually what we were individually responsible for? And it's disingenuous to the gifts that he's placed in each and every one of you that sits out there today, including myself. The fact that you all are here today is not by my design, although you all drove your vehicles here and everything else. But there's something inside of you, and we'll call it the Holy Spirit, that tugs at your heart, that brings you together. That same Holy Spirit is the one that gives you a certain amount of gifts in your life to use. And the beauty and exercising of those things within the body is a fulfillment of the design that he has created. But each individual part has a responsibility that's rolled up into the collective. A church is made up of individuals united together to serve the master. He has commissioned us with purpose and reason. The first scripture that we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 1, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father over, uh, of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. In, to the churches at Ephesus, 
you look at it from a contextual standpoint, I think that there's a lot of people, I would like to cover this just really briefly, that most people, when they pick the Bible up, I don't think that they understand that the vast majority of the New Testament, when you read it, is written to believers. He's talking to churches. He's talking to them of how they're spreading the gospel and how they're doing these things. And this is what you're supposed to do. First and second Corinthians, Ephesians, all the uh, go eat popcorn, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, right? All those, the epistles, right? All of those, they're all written to churches and sometimes multiple churches, regions. A lot of times people don't understand that when they open the Bible. And so from, from a context standpoint, now, is it applicable to the individual? Yeah, there's a lot of individuals addressed in this and a lot of individual responsibilities. And so I say all this kind of, you know, I say that just because we have to understand the context and when the audience and the intended audience when these things are written. There were a bunch of independent letters written to these churches that was canonized by the early church and put together for us to have. And praise God for that. The first point that we're going to talk about in Ephesians chapter 1 there is that the local assembly and service is absolutely essential. There are only, if you read the New Testament, the New Testament, uh, the New Testament does not have a tremendous amount of laws that reside in it, correct? There's really not that many. And matter of fact, you could really say, there's only two laws in the New Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? On these two depend the whole law and prophets. He summarized the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament is completely different. There's laws like you wouldn't believe. There's laws for everything. You can't touch dead people, can't eat anything. I was just talking to dinner last night with somebody after the wrestling match, and he was talking about, hey, do you guys eat pork? <laughs> yeah, we, I love bacon, <laughs> first off, you know what I mean? There's never a bad time to have bacon, you know? I haven't found the occasion where it's not appropriate. Sorry. And he goes, oh, okay, good. And I said, listen, and I gave him the rundown in the New Testament and how um, the scripture teaches and that we can't declare something unclean that he declared clean and so on and so forth. And he's like, oh, okay, well, there are dietary restrictions. They had all these different things. The New Testament, you read it and you see it and you begin to understand it. There's not a whole lot of rules, not a whole lot of laws. Now, I'm saying that for a very specific reason. There are certain things that the Lord writes about that are very, very clear. The order and structure of a home. That is not open for debate. The order and structure for the church. Not open for debate. Numerous times in the New Testament that these things, and I will call them governments. He has said, look, these are the things that you need to have in place at home, which ties directly to the things that you should have in place at church. Apostles, teachers, prophets, all these different things. He gives all these positions. Now, it's not the positions to just have the positions. He tells them in verse 12, it's for the equipping of the work of service. It is my job as the leadership of this assembly, as a part of that leadership, to prepare you for the work of service. Is it not? 
is to prepare you for this week. And sometimes that entails pumping you up, building you up, helping you out. Sometimes it's, it involves rebuke too, doesn't it? Oh, no, we don't want to talk about that. Well, it's the truth. It's what's needed to promote that the end goal that God has called me and us to do as an assembly. He's, we have these things. And no matter the position that you see these things in, and no matter what it is, there is a purpose behind this. It's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. He tells them there's one body, one spirit, one baptism. I don't care about other churches. I care about this church. I really don't spend much time, even other Baptist brethren. Yeah, there's plenty of Baptist brethren out there. We spend a lot of time worrying about what they're doing and what they're not doing. I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm concerned with what we do here because I believe wholeheartedly that this church is a local New Testament church. And what everybody else does in this world is none of my business. I'm concerned and been placed here. To administer and to fulfill what he's called us to do. Our purpose. You look at in verse 13, I find it really interesting. He says, as a result, we're no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about everyone to doctrine, deceitful scheming. He keeps on going. He says, but we're, you know, in verse 15, we're to grow up in all aspects. Even the head is... What, what does that mean? In other words, we're supposed to be busy about the work that he's called us to until he returns. He's commissioned us. He's given us responsibility. One of the things that I think is absolutely important in verse 12 at the end of that, it says is the building up of the body of Christ. Is this our church? Amen. Of course it is, right? But who owns us? Who is our master? Our master is Jesus Christ. I thank God for that. Because <laughs> if our master was something else, boy, we'd be a sad unit. The second point, Romans chapter 12. The body is designed to have numerous members working symbiotically together in unison. In verse 1 of that chapter, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Very familiar scripture. We've all heard it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. 
For just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Tells them to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Preference to one another in honor. In verses 6 through 13, you know what those are? The exercising of your gifts. That's what he's talking about. In those scriptures, he's just saying, hey, listen, whatever it is that you've been blessed with, whatever that it is that I've given you, because we must understand that God has given each and every one of us a desire, a blessing, and a burden. He has. The, when we run into trouble is when we desire to have somebody else's blessing and burden and desire. When we don't like what God has given us and we want to exchange it for something that we feel is better or different. But what we need to do sometimes is just sit back and look at it and go, what, what would you have me to do here? What am I capable of doing? What, am I, what, what have you called me to do? And sometimes we just got to have that internal conversation, don't we? Sometimes we got to slow down enough to even just think about it and go, oh, yeah. I am down here for a reason. <laughs> hey, man, you know, let's think about this for a second. This room full of beautiful people. You've put me here for a reason. Why am I here? Obviously, to, to have fellowship and spend time together, of course. But is there more? What do you have? You have something inside of you that can be and should be employed in our service. Collectively. And then also on an individual level. I believe it. It's, it's a part of God's design. He does that. He doesn't do anything arbitrarily. He doesn't do anything by accident. Inside of every single one of you is a gift. And an ability. And sometimes when we spend so much time. talking about the collective we understand that people get lost in the shuffle sometimes what is that gift just exercise that gift according to the grace it tells them in verse 16 to be of the same mind toward one another do not be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly do not be wise in your own estimation The third point that we're going to look at is who's in charge of the church, right? Isn't that an important subject? Because you're talking about, as we're talking about this church government, we're talking about the church placement here on this earth. Well, who's in charge? Oh, it's the pastor. No, that's not the right answer. It's not the right. I have a different responsibility level. 
But I'm a child of God just like you. But my responsibility and my accountability is different. Colossians chapter 1. The scripture is pretty clear. Verse 18, he says, He also is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will have come first place in everything. It just says right there, He is before all things, and in him all things, or sorry, yeah, he is the head of the body, the church. That's why there's both sides of that coin. Well, the church voted for it, so therefore it's the right thing to do. That is not always true. But sometimes it is. Actually, I would say most of the time it probably is the right thing to do. Why? Because if, you, if the church is operating the way that God has designed it to do, then we are fulfilling our purpose. Because that's the design. Ephesians chapter 1 These are just real, real quick scriptural references. Just bear with me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says that which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put... Uh, all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. This church is the body of Christ. He is the head. Well, we've been talking about stewardship. So why is that so important? <laughs> Because inside of our assembly, inside of this church, right, inside of who we are, we have somebody that is in charge of us, don't we? We've been entrusted with our roles, our responsibilities, and our blessings. But we cannot forget that as a church, as impactful and powerful of a unit we are here on this earth, that our boss is Jesus Christ. Our master is Jesus Christ. He is the head. Never should we ever want to find ourselves in contradiction to what the word of God or what the spirit would have us to do and be. That's important. It's important to remember those things. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, when you get a chance, go back and read verses 1 through 10. I'm going to grab one verse here just so that you understand the context. Well, I'll probably read something. For we know that we have an earthly tent, which is our house is torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, 
eternal in the heavens. It's talking about eternity. It's talking about our glorified body. It's talking about the future. It says in verse 9, Therefore we, all, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. This capital H, that's Jesus. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, you've heard me say this before. Shouldn't we have a desire to tip the scales toward good? That's the, well, I mean, our life's objective, really. At least it is for me. I, I, getting hung up on our sins and our failures, yes, we do. We have them. But at the end of all this, what we want to do is we want to hopefully make sure that our good outweighs the bad. That it should be a conscious effort, something that we're aware of as we effort through this life and as we go through this life and as we serve God together, as we do the things that we do together, our desire should be within the body to have good deeds, to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. Now, Matthew chapter 28, he tells them something that is interesting. You know, I know we've said it's the Great Commission. There's a correlation to the things that we said and that I shared with you in the first message that we talked about. It tells them in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Translation is, be fruitful and multiply. If you go back to the original design and you look back at the original relationship between Adam and Eve in the garden, God placing them in the garden, giving them responsibilities and saying, I need you to do this. This is what I need you to do. Cultivate the land and keep it. Have dominion over the animals. Do you see how it's starting to sound very, very familiar to what we're talking about the church? What does that mean? The church has dominion over our lives, does it not? That Christ, who is the head, has control and has dominion of those things. We, have, we are controlling ourselves, right? This government, you look at, okay, then you take it to the husband and the wife. You go, wait a second. There's responsibilities between a husband and a wife and children. And you're to procreate. You're supposed to have children. You're supposed to do all these different things. And the New Testament, you start looking at it and he goes, look, I placed you down here for a reason. Mankind, I put you on earth not merely to just exist. You understand that? That if you look at the creation of mankind, he didn't just create mankind so that he could look at them and go, I did good. Look at them. That's one of my neatest designs ever. What did he desire? Companionship. Fellowship. He had fellowship and companionship with mankind for a short period in the garden. Actually, we don't really know how long. It's outside of time if, as we know it, really. Or kind of. Oh, how long? They walked and talked with God in the garden. And ever since then, that mankind has been placed down here. Look, I need you to do this. He multiplied their, remember the blessed, or the, the curses that he gave Adam and Eve, both. 
in the garden. The individual, the church, it's the same kind of scenario where he goes, I've created a body. Wait a second. He created a body. He, he, so like kind of like he did with Adam and Eve, he created a body. He created a body. That body has properly functioning and working parts. He created that body. He created Adam and Eve with a purpose, with stewardship goals in mind, with a responsibility that, that the man and woman would do the things that God had, do, had, had requested them to do or demanded them to do. The church is no different. Look, he's placed us down here as a witness. He's placed us down here to fulfill our God-given purpose. At the end of the day, it's to bring him honor and glory. That we put in the work, we put in the effort so that at one day, just like when Adam and Eve were in the garden where they walked and talked with God, that you too, me, all of us can be in the position to have full fellowship with God free from sin in this world. As the pianist comes forward, it's something for us to think about. He tells them there to be fruitful. Well, he tells them in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to be disciples and go on. In other words, be fruitful and multiply. I've created this body. I've created you guys. I've created these positions. This church is meant to be here as a witness, a light in the midst of darkness. That is one of our key functions. Not that we're something done come or that we're special. We're only special because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's his message that we share with those that are willing to listen. Any given opportunity that we have. Our individual commitment to the greater good of God in the church is the fulfillment and understanding of our stewardship of our homes, our marriages, our friendships, and all of our relationships. While we have our daily and personal and family responsibilities, we must also understand that this is bigger than us. But every action that we take from this point, or from that point, should be also an action of faith according to his design. The fact that you're here today is a testimony of how big and how good God is. And you got a role in that. On an individual level, but also on a collective level. It's so much more bigger than just going to church. It's so much more than just being little old me, if you will. It's, it's much, much bigger than that. For a lot of you, you sit out there you think, I don't know if I've ever really put my faith in him. Well, today's the day. Put your faith in him. Give him your life. Give him your heart. 
Some of you might be sitting out there like, you know, I haven't been very good at giving him my heart or my faith. Now's the opportunity to repent, to get it right, to focus, to remember who is in charge and put our lives in his hands as we sing.